my name is Gabrielle Critchlow from the Step Ahead Tutoring Services. Welcome to our very first episode of Hot Topics, where we talk real talk about things that are happening in education, employment, mental health, social services, anything else steamy. So our hot topic for today is living with a disability. I have a guest with me today who will help me with this topic. Her name is Robin Simpson. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So Robin Renee Simpson received her associates in human services from the New York College of Technology and her bachelor's is from Metropolitan College. Currently, she's pursuing her master's in childhood special education from birth to second grade at St. John's University. So fellow alum. In addition to that, she's a residential family group daycare owner and a master life coach. So this fall, she'll partner with us a step ahead to provide group tutoring for grades one through five. And her interests are social justice and education and twice exceptional students. So Robin, welcome to Hot Topics. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So let's get started. So you have an, an interesting story. I wanted our viewers to learn more about it. Do you mind uh, sharing your story? Sure. More than happy. As you said, my name is Robin Simpson, and um, currently I am 59 years old. And my age is very important because my story goes all the way back to uh, elementary school. And in elementary school, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, special education didn't come into play until 1972. So I was born 1962. So for 10 years, there wasn't any background in special education. So children who had a disability, in some instances, they weren't given the services that they need. Others wasn't identified. I was one of those that my services was not identified. And, you know, I, I find it kind of strange that, you know, in going to school, a teacher going, you know, with her education, not being able to recognize that maybe there's something that we need to investigate. So what did that look like for me? It looked like uh, when I turned in my papers, they came back like Christmas trees, bright red ink, grammar, spelling, errors, organization. And, and in addition to that, I went to a private school. So I was basically ridiculed for not being able to do the work. And I was considered dumb. And that in between there, there were some teachers that, you know, reached out to help me, to show me how to study and give me confidence in schoolwork. And, and those are the people to this day that I haven't forgotten and really encouraged me to enjoy learning because I like going to school. So high school, it was even more worse because now you have to read chapter books, catching the rye, you know, Shakespeare, and everything on those pages was all blurted into one. Still no one diagnosed me as having a disability or, you know, encouraged me to get a psychoeducational evaluation. So when I entered into college, you know, even after all the failures that I received, 
I still went to college. And I never forget taking African history. And there was this Professor Leonard James. And the way how he spoke about African history, it, it was almost as if a light bulb went off in my head. And that encouraged me to continue my education, but now I still had to struggle with these disabilities that I have. And so at that time, my cousin was living with us and she would help me write my papers. I would give her my ideas and we would sit down together and she would help me write them up until my last semester getting my bachelor's degree. And I just started typing my paper. I gave it to my professor and he gave it right back like a Christmas tree. And after I graduated, I um, wanted to go back and get my master's, but life showed up and I didn't really have anybody to support me in you know, doing my paper. So I kind of put the dream of going back to school and getting my master's on the back burner until the desire for that master's degree became so loud that I just asked, what is the next right thing? And being around education, the first thing that you have to do is go and get an evaluation. So I called uh, different places and I got a list. As a matter of fact, let me backtrack. I went to YAI, Young Adult Institute, and asked if there was anyone there that could do the evaluation because they are very, very expensive. And they gave me a list of psychologists all across New York City. and I started calling them down the line. And finally, I got one Adelphi University and they did the evaluation for me. The evaluation took about four to five sessions running between two and three hours apiece. And just wanting to find out what was my issue was very, very, very important for me. And so long story short, after the evaluation was done and they sat me down and they discussed to me what was my disabilities, I almost hit the floor. The first one was ADHD inattentive in which I have heard this terminology a thousand times and it just never occurred to me that that could have been my issue. But I had to go one step further. The inattentive is the opposite of the hyperactive. So whereas with the hyperactive, you actually see the child bouncing off the wall. With mine, it's my brain. My brain is all over the place. I could be sitting in front of you and I have three, four things on my mind. Multitasking is, you know, I could start and then jump into something else. And I didn't know what that looked like. I just heard this terminology. And so I, I had to do a little bit more research in terms of how that has and how it still does affect my behavior. The second part of the evaluation was dyslexia. Now, when you hear the word dyslexia, you think more than less the letters of the words is switched around. But in my case, it's the word order. So when I'm reading, I'm switching the words back. And so those were the two diagnoses that I had. Now, the amazing part of the diagnosis is a lot of the strategies that they gave me, I had somehow mastered. That's how I got to the point of where I was. The other part of the recommendations that really touched me is the technology that goes along with the dyslexia. Kurtwell 3000, dictation, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, 
uh, what is the other one? Auto Sonic. And what Sonic does is it records the person speaking. So when I'm in class, I can record the professor lecturing. And I really didn't like that one that much because it didn't change it into dictation. Um, the other one that they have is Arthur. And Arthur does that. It records and either you can have the different scripts of the people speaking or it can put it into PDF. So with these technologies, reading has become more interesting because I have my own little system set up. So now let me go back a little bit to, okay, after you get the evaluation, now you take your psychological evaluation to the Office of Disability. And in my case, it's St. John's University. And I meet with members of that department and they read over my evaluation and they put forth all the recommendations because now, according to the law, this is 504. Every school has to honor the 504. So that is what I need in order to be successful in school. And so at the beginning of every semester, the professor is giving a letter of accommodation. So if I need extra time or if I'm taking a test, I can get extra time. If there's any type of reading material, I can get that in advance so that I can be prepared for school. And so far it has been working well. And as a matter of fact, I just had a conversation with my, one of the counselors in the, the School of Disabilities. And I have sometimes a little bit of resentment because it took me 53 years of my life to get to this point to understand what my educational needs were. And I'm so grateful that I had the ability to hang in there with school, whereas most children would get turned off because it's beyond their control. It's not about their behavior or trying harder. A disability means that there is an impairment that you're going to struggle and you can make it if you have the correct technology, the, the right tool. So with that being said, I have dedicated the rest of my life to ensure that children and parents understand that having a disability, it does not mean that you're dumb or you're stupid. If anything, your brain just works differently, right? So I am in my last year of obtaining my master's. Um, I have student teaching and my practicum. And I'm currently maintaining the 3.86 average, which is something that I've never ever did in all my life. And those Fs have turned to A's and I have become very competitive to myself that I always try to maintain my, my average. And the other part about one of the strategies that I've learned is to be self-directed in my learning. And what does that mean in lay terms is, you know, you just give me a project and I will figure it out. The hardest time is when I'm in a class and that professor has that format already made and I have to tell or make my brain to fit that project. That's still very hard for me. So I keep in the back of my mind, take my frequent breaks, do, you know, take care of myself, take a deep breath and somehow I, you know, will get through it. And this is what I want children with disabilities to know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robin. 
So I wanted to, if we can go back to that moment when you decided I'm gonna get evaluated. Can you talk about that, that epiphany moment? Talk about that a little bit further. Yes, the epiphany moment came because I've been around education and I understood special education, IEPs, 504s. I recognized that, you know, giving me a little bit more time would help me. So the epiphany came to me, well, let me just try this and, and see how it would work for me. I didn't, I didn't have any expectations as to you know, what it was going to look like, what was going to happen. You know, I just said I, I needed more time. So the epiphany for me was when I just woke up New Year's Eve and said, this is the year that I'm going to start my journey. And in starting my journey, it did take a while because, as I said, it took me about a, a year to complete my applications for the master's program. It took me about a year to get the evaluation done. So it was timely. Both of those avenues were very timely, you know. And then after I got the evaluation and I had to take my first teaching standard course, I passed it, right, with the time and a half. So I'm saying, holy cow. So that gave me the encouragement to further the epiphany in terms of, like, I passed it. Because I passed it, I can go to school. I, I can do this. I just need this time. So that's what really made me feel like I can do this because once I passed that test, it was on. It was good for me. Awesome, awesome. So now growing up, right, you had your academic struggles and I'm sure it was frustrating for your parents, you know, having to deal with all those complaints from the teachers, I'm assuming. You know, what was it like um, growing up? And how did your parents, you know, react to all of their academic issues? Well, I, I think my parents' behavior was conducive to the time that we were in the 60s. And they have been very little uh, knowledge of education. So and there was no such a thing as a disability. Either you did it or you were lazy. And um, so that's where, you know, I kind of, you know, in addition to having a backlash of the disability in school, it was that labeling at home as well. But because it was inattentive, and I wouldn't say I was a quiet child, you know, I maneuver my way. I just kind of not, not got by, but it just, it was horrible. There's just no other way to say it. it was horrible at school and horrible at home. I would imagine so. You know, it was difficult for you to read and difficult to participate in classes, I assume. And this went up all the way through your bachelor's. So, you know, without actually diagnosing what the issue was, I imagine you were feeling a lot of different emotions. A lot. A lot. And, and out of those emotions, there were anger. Out of those emotions, there were resentments because somebody should have recognized something, you know, and I, and I carry that burden of something is wrong with you. 
you know, you're crazy, you're blah, 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 whatever it is that that person felt, that was the label that was given to me, right? And I, it, it was just very hard, but, you know, I, I thank God for that little tiny voice that was in my head that allowed me to continue on even when I didn't see a way from, right? And I remember when I graduated from high school, and I told my mother, I am not going to college. And she said, oh, yes, you are. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. And I went on to look for jobs, but I didn't have any experience, so I didn't get no jobs. So I recall, I went, Ma, um, I'm going to go to school in September. And that's where it just really blossomed for me, because at that particular point, now I was able to hang in school because of, of subjects that I like. So that was that helped me out a lot. You know, so anything going back, you know, those areas, I think I, I don't really need those. You know, I can add, subtract, multiply, divide, do a little anything else, but I don't need that, right? So I've compensated in a lot of areas that, you know, I accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. And that's the second point that I teach my children in the daycare. Everybody has a weakness. So we struggle with that weakness, yes, but we don't let that, that weakness define who we are. So let's find out the things that you can do, build on those things. And when you have to deal with the things that you're not so strong with, okay, fine. But you know you have this good part that you, you are okay with. It's better than saying, I'm a nothing and a nobody at everything that I'm do, I, I, I do in school, because you're going to give up. Right. Absolutely. So. When you received your diagnosis, how old were you? 53 years old. Can you talk about, can you talk more about the significance of finding that out as this late in your life, as opposed to finding it out in your 30s or your 20s? As I said, angry. I was relieved. I had ambivalent feelings. Let me put it to you that way. Because I finally, I finally found out what was wrong with me. Nobody else. I, I parent reparent myself. I did that. So I'm proud that I was able to see that now at 53 years old, I had tremendous accomplishment. I'm not a dumb person. So I'm saying, okay, what's going on? So I found out what was wrong. So I was part of myself, but then having resentments for the, the institutional environment and parents not recognizing that maybe we should go to the next level. And a part of a lot of families not really diving into disabilities is because they are outgrowing. Everybody in my family is like that. You know, we take care of our own. Don't worry, we got it. Only thing I'm going to do is just make him sit down because he's so lazy. And growing up with all those different ideas, it was devastating because it, it cost me a lot. I don't want children to have to go through that. So I am willing to create my platform to share with parents, right? And share with kids. Listen, where you at? I've been there. And I didn't even, I forgot to tell you that in the eighth grade, I got held over. 
And when I was in the third grade, my third grade teacher said to me, at some point, you will get left back. Very encouraging. And it happened in the eighth grade when I was supposed to be graduating from elementary school. So, you know, from third grade to fifth grade, you just sat there and you watched me fail. And you told me you were, that I was going to fail. And as a teacher, you didn't do anything because in your mind, in their mind, I was lazy. I was the clown. I was whatever it is that they wanted to label. They never, never in their wildest dream as being a teacher would realize, well, oh, maybe this is a, a disability. And I, and I hear the anger in your voice and the fact that you had these people in powerful positions actually tell you, you know, you're not going to make it. You're going to fail. What was, what's that like? What was that like hearing that? I believe the lie because like you said, these were people in power. These, was, these were teachers, these were my parents. So whatever they define me as, I lived the majority of my life in that manner until it became very uncomfortable for me. And my number one question I always put out in the universe, what if you woke up and everything that you were taught about yourself was wrong, what would you do? And the way how I answer that question is, I rebuild myself the way that I want to. I reparent myself. Is it a tough journey? Yes, it is. Because now I have to go back. Every time I want to make a decision, I have like that knee-jerk reaction. You know, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. But then, you know, it's that constant conversation in my head. No, 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 that's not true. You are enough. You are important. You are smart. You are intelligent. Look at the things that you have done and look at the children that you have helped. A lot of kids that come through my daycare, I'm not going to say it's because of me that they are whatever, but I know that I've had a hand in them because at the times when they were ready to give up, I was like, no, we don't do that here. And I share my story. I share my experience, strength, and hope with them because a lot of times children believe that adults are perfect, that we didn't go through and they, oh, I just can't wait to become an adult because then nobody's going to tell me what to do. And I'm like, I beg to differ. Now is your time to set the stage for the rest of your life. So this is not a play, play time. Yes, we play hard, we work hard, but this is a time where you, you really need to kind of focus on what it is that you want to do in your life. So you, you took what you went through with your experiences and you, and you applied it to the work that you're doing now. Most definitely, most definitely. I have gone to bat for a lot of kids in my daycare. And I, I tell the mothers, I'm the expert here, right? Because a lot of parents will come and say, well, I know what's best for my child. When have you gone and taken educational courses and, you know, psychology courses to know what evidence-based practices are? What is the best, right? So I encourage every parent to join the team, right? We have the school, you have me, we have your child, we have you. And that's basically what we will call echo mapping, where we establish a team to kind of help, this, help the child to understand 
that they're not by themselves like I was because there was nobody there for me. So in knowing that, you know, I can be a part of a team to help a child, you know, they now become willing to give me their parents and their teachers the best. Does it work 100%? No, there's nothing 100%. My oldest student is 19 in his second year of college, called me up, Miss Robin, Miss Robin, I just got my driver's license. I said, oh my God, when I see you on the road, I'm pulling over. This young man came to the daycare at six years old. So I have been to the school for him. I have helped him with his homework. And he gets, he's so tickled when he sees me because he know that Miss Robin had his back. So I, I know what it feels like to be out there by yourself. And I also feel like, you know, what it is when you have somebody that can advocate for you. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so I wanna take it back a bit. Let's talk about the actual evaluation process. So maybe let's give people a viewpoint into how you are actually evaluated. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, I can. Okay, I cannot list the tests, but um, there, okay, so it's educational, it's a psychoeducational evaluation. So it's part of the psychology, which is your cognitive and your mental abilities, and they kind of match them. Um, so there's definitely an IQ test. There is a GORP 5 test. There's uh, different psychological testing. And um, some tests, okay, with the IQ test, they ask you questions, you know, math, reading, writing, um, very basic social studies question, who was the president, you know, what is the 4th of July, things of that nature. Then there's another part that's uh, an aptitude test, um, being able to maneuver pieces at um, a certain amount of time. Didn't do good on those. There were some tests that brought tears to my eyes because I couldn't do it. And, and I just had to keep saying to myself, go ahead, don't, don't give up. Right. Then there were other tests where they would give you a picture and you would identify what the picture looks like. Um, so it was a little, then there was another one on the computer where you had to, every time you saw the letter R, you had to press the space bar, but this R was bouncing up and down all around. And I was like, I got it. And all of a sudden it would just go faster or it would go slower. So I was just tapping every different alphabet. That one was pretty much fun. Yeah, so it, it was those type of tests. They, they run very short, but each one of them have a certain particular behavior that they are tapping into. And in the end, they put them on a, a grid. And being that these are standardized tests, it's compared to people around the, the, the United States and, a, and it comes up in a certain percentile. So when, you, when I got something that said, okay, 
you know, this is below, I was very sad. And of course, that was, you know, the majority of those things. And um, where it was my strength was my um, speaking. That was my strength. So it, it really breaks down the skills of, you know, what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And even in school, it's the same thing. You know, I know that if I have to do an oral presentation, I'm going to come out far better than if I have to do a written. And if I have to do a written, I have to have my technology. I cannot free write off the top of my head. And if I'm asked to do that, I'm going to go into a real serious panic mode because I know that it's not going to come out well. Simple words are going to be misspelled. It's going to look almost as if probably in the fifth and sixth grade. So what does it look like when you're sitting down and you're looking at these results? And it's like, man, I here again, I have ambivalent feelings because I'm looking at what I see on the paper. That That's not who I am, but it is me. So there is a little level of acceptance that this is what I look like on paper. But in real life, I'm a person who is self-directed you know, able to start and finish to, to maneuver because I have my system set up. Awesome. Awesome. And how, and you said that the whole process took a whole year? No, no, no. The, the process for the evaluation takes about two, well, the testing itself is, is four to five sessions and they run each about two to three hours. Right. And because then uh, one part of the evaluation is the, the psychoanalysis where that really goes back into a psychosocial, where it goes back into your background, your parents' information. So that's like introduction of the evaluation. And then the evaluation itself takes uh, three to four sessions of testing. So if, if you know, you have to go for testing, make sure you get proper sleep you know, bring snacks so that, you know, you won't get tired. Because at some points I was just closing my eyes. I said, oh my God, but I was determined to get it done. And then after you finish the evaluation, it takes the evaluator um, about six weeks to compile all this information together to come up with your report. So the whole process generally takes about three months. And then in the pandemic, when I had to just redo it this year, it took I think about almost two and a half, three months because of the pandemic. So everything was slow during that time. Oh, you redid it. You chose yeah. to do it or it was required? It's it's a requirement because um, it's good for five years. So mine was coming up. It was due to expire and I have to take uh, the rest of my teacher certification, teacher's examination. So I needed to update it. And because now I've been in school, there were areas that like they gave me time and a half. By me being in school, I understand that I need double time. I need more time in which that should have been given to me in the beginning. And I've, I've learned to use the immersive reader. And what the immersive reader does is it changes the format of your reading document and it highlights one word so that with that dyslexia your eyes are attracted to the movement of the light under the word 
So with that, it, it kind of helps me to read better. And then after I finish writing, then I'll go back and put it under the immersive reader and then I can catch my mistakes by hearing. So I had to really update the, the, the psychoeducational evaluation. Did anything change the second time? It, it really didn't change. It really didn't change. You know, some things I went up maybe a point other things I went down because of age, you know, by me being in school, you know, I'm more thinking more. So the, the IQ went up, but not anything significant. So I was able to get the second, the, the double time on the evaluation. And, and at my school, I'm receiving double time, which is fantastic because when I have to take my comps next semester, then I would have double time. And I won't be under pressure, you know, trying to do it in the two days. I would get four days to do it because I mean, the way how my mind works, it's like, if I'm gonna start something, I have to look at it, read it, understand and walk away and do something else because I'm formulating what it is that I wanna say. And then I have to go back and put it down and then I have to walk away. So it's, it's, it's a process. So I never really should wait until the last minute to do my work. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't have a choice and um, kind of hinders the quality a little bit. But on the most part, it's like, don't wait to the last minute to do your work, Miss Robin. <laughs> right. So how, someone that may be wondering, how much does it all cost? Is it covered by insurance? I don't know if you can talk about that. Okay, well, now my recommendations, if you have a child in public school, the public school will do it. But I recommend that it's done privately because when it's done through the school, they're going to curtail it based on what they have available. Because if, if it's done privately and there's something that that child need that the public school don't have, then they themselves have to pay for it privately because it's the law. So my best advice is to get it done privately. Now, to pay for it privately, some insurances take, um, pay, will pay for that service. Others won't. I had to pay out of my pocket, but if you get it done like through Hostra or Adelphi or even St. John's University, they have the PhD students um, that are in psychology and that's their project. And then they have a presiding psychologist that goes over the material and sign off on it that can cost under a thousand dollars if you had to pay for it out of your pocket you're talking about anywhere between five and ten thousand dollars to do this so that's why you know most people will stick with the board of education but are you really getting the best evaluation so you went through Adelphi University and you went through the like their PhD program. Yes. And that's how you were able to pay less through a private 
private referral. Right. Private. You went there privately, right? Right. Right. I mean, at this point, I had to go private because um, I, I didn't have an IEP coming out of, of high school, right? So had I had an IEP from high school, then they would, once I graduated from high school, they would have transferred me to Vested, B-E-S-I-D. And they would have done the, the psychoeducational evaluation as well as set me up with services based on that report. So if the report said that I was college ready, then Vested would have paid for me to go to college. So this is why it's very, very important. If you see your child struggling, don't get caught up on the label of a disability or special education because the, the services that are needed, your child can possibly grow up and be the CEO of a company because it's rectified. You, you're gonna build up your strategies. And from zero to three is the, the early intervention, which we will talk about it you know, at a later time, that here again, sometimes these disabilities are caught early and they don't need special education. But if a child has a disability and impairment, they are not gonna make it on their own without any intervention. Not gonna make it, not gonna make it. Eventually they're gonna hit the wall because what generally happens is as you go from grade to grade, the work gets harder. So you're already behind. And then you're going into this, the, the new setting behind. So the gap gets bigger and bigger until the frustration sets in. And then, you know, unlike myself, that did a whole lot of other things to fit in because educationally I, I, I was frustrated. So, um, so yeah, so that's definitely very, very key. If, you know, you, you definitely talk things over with your uh, pediatrician or your doctor and, you know, let them make the recommendations. And especially when the child is under 18, then the next step is for them to move forward in trying to get you the, the correct services that you need. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's kind of switch gears a bit. Let's talk about maybe the, the cultural implications of having a diagnosis. So can you talk further about what it's like having, having a diagnosis and being a part of the Black community? Or maybe you could talk about the Black community and, and special education. So, as I said, I was born in the 60s it was unheard of to talk about disabilities. We handle our own, you'll be fine, you're lazy, don't worry about it. It was embarrassing. Even to go to see a therapist, you know, family is, you know, going through domestic violence and divorce, death, and it was never thought of to receive outside services. So in that generation, in my generation, most people just figured we, we're going to make it on our own. Do you reach your full potential? 
I, some instances, yes, some instances, no. You know, so at that particular time, therapy, disability, no good. Then now when special education came in, in the 70s, in 72, programs began to evolve. And I have to be truthful, a lot of people that took advantage of those programs were not of, of African descent. The white community used those services to help their children and they didn't have any um, feeling of it being less than. In our community, again, it was only basically through the schools that recommend special education. And, and I wanna go back and say that, you know, there's different types of disabilities. So for the ones that were physically disabled, they received their services because that disability was seen. If you was in a wheelchair, you, you needed braille, like they were the most obvious. So when you go into special education, you're, you're going in for the learning disabled, and the, the physical disabled. So the children with the learning disabled, they, in our community, they was just seen as bad. And the parents didn't do anything to try to help them. Now it's still a struggle because, you know, as a childcare provider, I'm saying to my parents from zero to three, get it done. If nothing comes out, nothing comes out. But if something comes out, say, for example, their speech delayed, right? Then they would get a speech therapist to help them. The speech ther therapist will come to the daycare. It's not costing you anything. And I struggle with getting my parents to do it just on a general principle because of the fear that there's nothing wrong with my child. And so right now, that's the greatest obstacle in getting people in our community to accept these services, to go for it. I, I have two boys that come to the daycare and, you know, from a long time, I've been saying to the mom, like, let's try to get them evaluated. And finally, I says, you cannot leave them like this. You cannot leave your children like this. They are falling behind every single day and you see that they're falling behind so one she was able to she went to the doctor got the 504 um and went she i directed her to adelphi so she has his evaluation so now when he goes to school in september they would take that evaluation and put him in the class that he deserves so in our community it's it's really a struggle so this is another part of my platform that I really want to um, talk with parents and help them to understand that you're not labeling your kid by putting them in these um, services that you're actually helping them. That's true. That's very true. And that's a very strong point um, that you made there. All right. So we're winding down now. So what, if you can give one piece of advice to the to the viewers out there what advice would you give well the the best advice that i would give is number one 
No one can define you but you. That's number one. Number two, the acceptance of a disability is not a bad thing at all. It just means that your brain is wired differently. And I know that my brain is wired differently, so I don't feel embarrassed. And this is how come I'm able to break my anonymity today by saying that I have a disability because I'm in grad school. I have my own business, sis right? I'm going into the PhD program next uh, September, you know? So it's not about the disability, it's, it's how I define myself. So if I can leave any takeaway is you're the only person that can define yourself. So if you have a disability, that doesn't interfere with your definition of yourself. I have a coat, but I'm not that coat. I have a disability. I'm not that disability. And one more question that just came to me. So since your diagnosis, were you ever able to go back to your family and tell them, hey, you know, I actually have, I actually have these conditions? At, at first, when I went and I mentioned it to my mom, she took the deflecting approach. Like, what? What? How could that be? You're smart. Blah, 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 blah. And then I came to the conclusion that at this particular age is, is not my family's business because they are, I mean, what can they say at this point? Are they going to turn back around and say, oh, I'm so sorry that I didn't follow through with it because they want to uphold that, you know, my mom want to uphold that I'm a good parent. And so in, in, in order for her to uphold that she's a good parent, she has to kind of deflect away from the fact that she didn't do her investigation. So if you know you are an adult and you feel like this is an avenue that you want to take, it's really about your business now. Because no one, you know, your family may or may not, I'm not going to say it as a general rule, but at this point, what is it that they can do? It's, it's really your, you're reparenting yourself. So it's on you. And applaud yourself for taking the time to go and find out you can do to help yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, you can always get evaluated at any age, you know, you know, no matter how late you are in your life, you can always get evaluated. It's never too late. Uh, so we definitely want to share that information. But of course, the earlier you get evaluated for any disability, the better. The better. But, you know, it's, it's never too late. Definitely never too late. Well, Ms. Robin, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. And to our viewers, you could find Robin Simpson online at www.rsimpsoncoaching.com. Oh, you were just talking about the R. I just mm -hmm. caught that. Uh, mm -hmm. So, um, again, that's www.r S-I-M-P-S-O-N-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. So yes. she's a coach, like I mentioned before in the introduction. So currently she's offering a special promotion for her coaching services. You get 12 sessions for half the price. 
And for those of you in the New York City area, she also has a daycare center in Queens and is accepting clients for September onward. And if you're interested in her daycare services, you can email her at simpsonrobin at ymail.com for more information. So that's S-I-M-P-S-O-N-R-O-B-I-N at ymail.com. Want to emphasize the Y, not why? Gmail. Yes. <laughs> not Gmail. Ymail.com. I <laughs> want to emphasize it. It's very important. <laughs> All right, so thank you to everyone for joining us today. Please check out our YouTube channel for more videos and clips, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Signing off. Bye.